0: Screen, you will see what you were meant to see. Search all of Hulu, search your internet, and when you find it there, there'll be no more search. Do not despair, don't tell me. You're not worth searching for, Peter. You can't tell me it's not worth subscribing for, Meg. You know it's true, Brian. Everything I do, Lois, I do it for Stu. Welcome that, to It's I, On that, The List.
1: That, that, that parody is where I had really to hear the that. original song won an Oscar the year that that movie out. And I believe that this is also an Oscar yeah. or a podcasty or a webby or whatever. A they're giving price. Academy
0: Awards to podcasts this year, so this is actually a good Perfect. wow, great the time. first time.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, what else? What other content yeah. are people like? Nobody's going to the movies. It seems kind of silly to have like even think about having an Oscar.
0: People in Georgia are going to the it's movies. It's true. Well, That's in Wisconsin, the movies—they're probably going there right <laughs> and now. In
1: Wisconsin, are they? Wait, Wisconsin? Very going as shortly, well? they're opening up. Yeah, one of my professors from college got re- had like a really uh was very upset and the thing is like the wisconsin illinois border is uh extremely like close and this wisconsin border is very close to uh chicago chicago is scary it's pretty scary not exactly fun and i was looking at uh this is uh, because this is a normal time we're living in i was looking at like kind of Maps of the the the, zo- the infection zones, if you want to call it, and it's like all yeah. concentrated in the metro area. And there's like a handful of cases in like the farther out suburbs of Illinois, or the farther out like cities of Illinois. Like the farther you get away from Chicago, the less it appears that people are like dealing with it. So it's just like cool, man. Real speaking down of note, dealing with an infection. <laughs>
0: speaking of dealing with an infection shut the fuck up speaking of dealing with an infection we have a very special <laughs> guest here with us in the studio today in mark Marin's cat ranch uh we're in a ver- that would be a great is if there was a like podcasting version of discord called the cat ranch that everyone could get on and use to do virtual podcasting i think that would be fun yeah we should start uh, that. yeah Okay, maybe. Uh, So, we have a guest here with us today. He's coming. This is his second appearance on the pod. He was nice enough to come back. You may remember him from the episode where we talked about The Kinks and Jacques Tati. You may also know him from the Everything Now show on Twitch, which has gone to one day a week. Sunday's at 8 p.m. for now. But when everything clears up, they will be back, as far as I can tell, uh, to two days a week. And then doing the fun little... uh, D and D one that you guys do every other Wednesday, right? Is that right?
2: That's right. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of other little smaller side streams we've started doing. It's just it's you know mo- most every so often you can go on. There'll be something going. on He
0: is the leader of the Mustache Brigade that we all have going right yeah. now. Right. You Looking recognize good. his voice, it, you know who it is. It's Chris Chelakian. Hey
2: everyone, thank you.
1: What's up, Chris? How you doing, nice. bud?
2: Thank How you. you. Is this isn't uh, audio? Like they're only going to hear me, right? They're not going to see my face, right? hell no okay cool hell. yeah cool Because yeah, you yeah. mentioned the mustache so i thought they might be like wanting to look at it
0: well they do want to look at it they aren't going to be able to look at it
1: yeah unfortunately maybe i just take this quick screenshot and make it the l uh the episode art real quick uh because i do think it's a very good look for you thank you. For you yeah it's your cut i was thinking you're getting a little like if andrew garfield could rock a stash yeah thank you yeah i got a good i got a good <laughs> photo there of you bud that's gonna be <laughs> the damn episode R for sure dude yeah. you
0: sniped him live on the yeah, air yeah live on th- at
1: 360 no scope this yeah morning. i, Hell yeah. I
2: uh, started doing the mustache because i was like well it's quarantine you know i might as well see and uh, I think I like it, which scares me a little bit. If I'm being honest. I yeah,
0: think most. Because you're unlocking a side of your personality yeah. that is just not people aren't ready for. I like I smiling with a mustache.
1: It does just like give me – It makes your. I what I like. I've been a mustache boy for the better part of a year. I feel like I think in July I was finally like, let me just get this stuff. And listeners, I'm 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 rubbing my face against CDC rules because I don't listen to fucking government baby fuck the feds hell yeah fuck um, the feds but uh when i was i just like kind of shaved off everything like on like my chins and my and my neck and just had the mustache and i'm like i really just like how it looks like i have just a, a smile all the time almost like it just adds such like a, it nice, adds little, such a yeah. nice
2: little yeah It makes it feel more whole, yeah. In the 80s, there was a while, in the 70s and 80s, there was a while where mustaches and mullets were really big. Like, you know, A-list celebrities had these really silly mustaches and these huge, big hairs with the mullets and stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. And now
2: with, like, everyone in quarantine, it seems like, you know, I read an article about how, like, the mustache is coming back in because of quarantine. And then I imagine everyone's hair is getting really long and crazy. Do you guys think, like, in the next couple years, we're gonna see like the mustache and mullet sort of come back into fashion?
1: I think that's just what we're seeing now, dude. You know, like yeah, I think
2: already it was happening.
1: Yeah, I
0: don't know. I think that it's gonna be one of those things where like people are doing it now, and who actually knows? I mean, LA literally, as of this recording, just extended their stay-at-home, you know, for through July and possibly even later. And so people are gonna be rocking those haircuts probably unless uh, but there are there is a contingent of people out there who are going the opposite end of the spectrum and they are going fucking ape shit and just shaving it all off and it's crazy that's actually scarier to me
2: yeah and i think that's a that's yeah not okay in my opinion no
0: it's like anarchist but like in a bad way I agree. Bald people are scary. Folks! <laughs> my, yeah, Mason. <laughs> that's, that's what I was always, I was always working up the courage to say it to you, but like, I was, I what, the fuck, doing, what 20s, the fuck are you doing, bro? I started going in my early 20s, dude.
1: This is a moment of me, like, taking full control of something <laughs> I had no control over. And also, it saved me a ton of money on getting haircuts because I used to spend, like, 25, maybe close to 30 bucks with Tip on, like, very, on, like trips to the barber so that he could salvage something. Mm-hmm. He did his best damn job. And he, like, when I was when I went into my guy and was like, hey, I, I want to, like, you know, get rid of this fucking thing. Like, just do it. He was like, cool, I'll do it for you for free, man. Like, you're not wow. helping anybody out right Whoa. now. Whoa,
0: really? He, yeah, like, he, he took a yeah. fucking pro bono situation for you? What a sweetheart.
1: Yeah, my man Rigo at Telegraph Barber on uh, 3rd and Western, roughly, in Koreatown. Like, that was my fucking guy. He really looked out for me.
0: Uh, speaking of the big hair situation, though... We got a little bit of a, a fun poo-poo platter for y'all today on the show, yes. where big hair, big vibes, big... T- no, not tindrum. No, not tindrum. Yeah, big watch it sound. Yeah, oh, No, come on. Uh, Big sound, <laughs> big fun, big dance. It's the land of opportunity, as they say. Ladies and gentlemen, please hop on the very carefully wiped down plane with us, as it's on the list... Goes to Rio, baby! Woohoo! We're going to Rio. We are uh- Alright, put on. It's under. Put on Under the Sea right now. Put on. Put it in Wait, editing. No, put I'm on just Under just the Sea. Play a
2: Brazilian song.
0: No, put on Under the Sea. Put on the Sebastian the Crab doing Under the Sea. Under the Sea, <laughs> right? <laughs> on Rio?
1: from uh,
0: the
1: uh, caribbean he's not from freaking Jim- i can't tell him this, <laughs> oh boy uh we well listeners will know what i did in terms of audio at this point but you know, on thursday the day are recording this it's just gonna have to be up to all of our imaginations what music is playing just cut under this cut out. Right now Just now cut me know. out saying but <laughs> "under the sea"
0: no. with the crab, the, the talking nothing. funny crab. Just cut it out. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Fuck this. This is crazy. Sure. Fine. Okay, so we're on
1: Pan. It's on the list. Express taking a very safe, very socially distant trip to
0: Rio today. Wow, Rio de Janeiro, right. Brazil. Mason, uh, what did you order on the yeah. plane for snacks on the way to Rio? What did you order?
1: Uh well I got a little kinda like rum drink to get nice. me in the mood for Brazil yeah. maybe some Brazil nuts mm, that's <laughs> some, okay. some 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 <laughs> some pork a little I don't know what they eat in Brazil I've never been to Brazil but based on the movie that we watched for this week's episode it makes me want to go on a trip to Brazil Whoa. so. Yeah. So, uh I don't know. Noah, Chris, what have you guys what are you guys enjoying in first class up there?
2: I got
0: a mulitas. Nice. Yeah. I also got a mulitas because right. I can't yeah. read. So I ordered what Chris ordered. Yeah.
2: I heard that I heard that reference in a song once and that's how I know that one. I have the word. I also
0: I ordered a uh, pina colada because if you like pina coladas and getting caught in yeah in the rain yeah you get it you got that one yeah so i heard that why are
1: you saying that's like that's a pina colada is a spanish drink and they speak portuguese in brazil yeah
0: we're gonna
2: have i'm predicting we're gonna have a lot of noah referencing countries near (laughs) brazil there's gonna be a lot of like something that's like yeah it's not quite america it's somewhere below america vaguely and like i imagine that will come up which is understandable (laughs) it's very
0: understandable
2: no it's just like we're americans so obviously you know we're conditioned to learn like american culture and so it's natural that we're just like well there's things in other countries and we don't know the specifics of
0: yeah, Family Guy's never gone to Brazil, so I'm not really 100% sure where, what's really going on. What a shame on. that is. Um, but speaking of the fun stuff that we have, we have an album that Chris was so nice enough to bring and a movie, but let's dive into that album first. Um, actually, if you guys are cool Noah, with
2: it. I'm going to have you talk for one more minute because I left my computer charger in the other room. So why don't you go ahead and talk for one more minute? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Chris, this is your choice for, well, this is guest choice. This is chef's choice this week. Why did chef's you choose choice. to take us on a little uh, little international jaunt, a little trip to the uh, Brazil?
0: We lost you, Chris. All right, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can. Yes!
1: Boom. <laughs> Are, right. Are you still recording? I am just, still recording. I believe.
2: Che- let me let me double check. Yes, I have not stopped recording. Everything's good over there. Cool,
1: great. Okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna start again. So Chris, why did you uh, choose uh, to bring us on a little international trip to uh, Brazil this week?
2: Okay, yeah, I had a really fun time doing this podcast last time. Thank you guys for having me back on. Yeah, of course. But I felt like last time I just sort of had two random things that were like sort of unrelated mm-hmm. to each other. And so I thought this time I've been listening to a ton of Brazilian music all the time. So I knew that was going to be the album. And then I recently got really, really into this movie that I thought was tangent. You know, it takes place in Brazil. So I thought I could do a whole Brazil experience as it seems in the last year. Totally. Since we've spoken last, I seem to have become deeply obsessed with Brazilian music and culture and all that stuff.
0: Well, you know what's interesting surrounding, you know what's interesting, I'm going to fucking interject for one second, excuse me, Uh, what's interesting (laughs) is that when we recorded last, when you were still in LA, Mason, Mm -hmm. Chris and I left uh, the cat ranch and we were walking to my car and we were going to hang out afterward, and do you know what Chris said to me when we were hanging out afterward? What did he say? Chris, do you remember this? No,
2: I don't, what did I say?
0: I remember hanging out. He said we were at H-Mart. We went to two different H-Marts. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we went to the food court at the H-Mart. You told me I'm actually not a monster. I don't want you to think that I'm actually a monster oh, yeah. in real life. Uh, yeah, and then I, did, I, said, I do recall having a
2: conversation with you when I went, I think you might think I'm being genuinely mean to you. And I hope you understand that <laughs> when I'm being mean to you, it's like in a loving way. And like you shouldn't think that I like don't like you or anything.
0: And then I called you a cocksucker and punched you in the head. It was awesome. But uh, what you what you said to me in the food court when we were eating our food, which was chef's kiss. You said to me, "I watched a great movie the other night. It's called That Man from Rio." No way. Is that true? That's, That's true. Not... I'm not making
1: that up. Wow. Oh boy, but that is going to be a topic for later in the episode.
2: Yeah, we will. But they are related. So because th- these things were sort of coinciding, which is I was. Very into, uh, I don't know, like a friend of mine just got me on Giao Gilberto, who's not Tropicalia, not, not Gal Costa either. But for like a year and a half, I was super into Giao Gilberto, and I think it's because he's kind of this like, kind of depressive thing, and so if you're like, maybe if you're yeah. going through like a slight yeah. minor depression, it's like nice to have That's... like this sort of melancholy.
1: <laughs> That's very funny you said that, because my Giao Gilberto, Gilberto phase was definitely early college, which, you know, looking back, I was...
0: Chipper all the time, but I was hiding a deep sadness.
1: <laughs>
3: right, yeah, right. That's
0: it. Just like Brazilian music. It sounds very chipper well, on the outside and is on the inside is Ugh. it's very melancholy. Yeah. So
2: yeah. What, so that was happening. I was super into, uh, gel Gilberto. And then I was like, Oh, I love Bossa Nova. And I was learning, you know, Stan Getz, all the other guys, uh, Antonio, oh. Carlos Jobim, all those guys. And I was getting really into that. But then like, eventually I was not, so depressed anymore which is like a good thing yeah and yeah. when yeah. you're not so depressed anymore you're like well you know i try to get some other something else to kind of sh- shake it up and i think on my discover weekly i got one gal costa song no mm-hmm. oh, wow and i remember loving the gal costa song and like it just kind of sat there and you know how you have like those songs you get from your discover weekly where you're like i don't know who that's i don't know the album i don't know the song. like this is just one yep. random song that will sit here you know
1: yeah that's, yep. i feel and like, for that's like been three
2: a... months it was that yeah. and then finally i like yeah. went back and i was like this song's so good i gotta know more it's brazil i like brazil now i had probably just seen that man from rio too mm-hmm. and so yep. i was like which it was because we'll talk about that why i watched that from rio but so then i was like i have to listen to this album and so i listened to gal Costa's the self-titled album in full i was at um the I was at UCB Sunset, <laughs> <laughs> crazy,
1: crazy place to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, in the inner sanctum. So maybe there's some like trauma associated. I don't know what, what makes me like it, but but I was, you know, enraptured. And I, it was like this sort of similar sound, and what I was listening to it, it. It is sort of rooted in bossa nova and traditional Brazilian music and stuff, but then it also takes this like modern rock and americanized heavy or electric instrument stuff and we can talk about all that later but like for me someone who was like well i like this music but i don't want to just like sit for 18 hours a day anymore necessarily it was like it was nice to have something like You could go for a drive to, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah. Sure. Mason, you had mentioned that you, uh, had a little bit of a Brazilian music phase. Did you know about Gal Costa or this album beforehand? No, Gal Costa wasn't really in my,
1: um, in my kind of sphere. It was really just, uh, Gilberto. uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, like you said, and uh, Astrid Gilberto, I think is her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was kind of yeah, that. Yeah. You know that she kind of
2: that she was Jal Gilberto's husband, and then she left him for Stan Getz. <laughs> <laughs> and shit.
1: That, uh, no. or and
2: she also, was uh, his she was his wife. But apparently, know, he was know, a really awful think. guy.
1: But that was more. Uh, well, that was like kind of more my yeah. sphere, and I just listened to that just to kind of, like we said, it's very melancholy, but it's very melancholy, but kind not. I don't want to say deceptively melancholy, but a kind of like tropical melancholy that is like yeah yeah it obscures the kind of sadness through um, yeah like a little a little brighter sound a little lighter kind of feeling which I think is maybe softer maybe
2: doesn't yeah, feel yeah, too yeah,
1: intense
2: kind of where like brooding it's like kind of more of like a melancholy yeah
1: like the brooding like the brooding like elliot smith stuff came later in college this is yeah. like freshman year sure like, i love this stuff. like
2: discussion of like the the different shades of depression you will feel and like <laughs> yeah. the music that appropriately fits
1: those shades of depression no totally dude i mean that's yeah. just like that's the whole reason why i got into like music and media in the first place is because it's like <laughs> this is just like everything like, looking back, like, everything that I, like, loved or, like, was really, like, speaking to me at a certain point in my life I had, like, some degree of depression. And instead of being like, maybe I should get some he- mental health at that point. I'd since, I've since been in therapy <laughs> and taken this stuff a little more seriously. But at that point, I'm like, instead right, of looking right. for help, why don't I just imbibe more Elliot? Why don't I just listen to fucking uh, Miss Misery?
0: Every single fucking day as I'm walking to the train, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Well, if you guys, if you guys were depressed, did you guys just try not being depressed at a certain point? Like, no, you I never tried how that. I got never out of tried that.
2: That. <laughs> For me, that's how I got out of it. One day someone went, have you thought about not being depressed? And I went, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> fuck, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah it's that it's that and then always like if you like happen for some reason to be talking to your like dad about it which is a crazy idea the first <laughs> not, a, not a really good idea yeah. no but if you don't if you somehow you end up in that situation the other classic one i like is well have you been to the gym recently yeah. Have, yeah, you, have you have you gotten some exercise yeah, yeah. fucking love that shit love that. um no, I had ne- thanks for asking. I had never heard of this album <laughs> before. Um, I had never heard of this album. I had never heard of Gal Costa in the first place. Tropicalia. This is a complete... this whole
2: genre has like kind of gone under the radar, I feel like. And that mm. I feel excited about like I do feel like I have some un like some lost gems basically here. I really
0: Well, it's an interesting situation. You 100% do. Like I was yeah. thinking about this and I was like, "Wow, this this pairing Not only just, like, fits together like a hand in a glove, but it is, like, so, like, on the nose as far as, like, wow, these really are, like, hidden gems, like, so to speak. I know. I'm Um, really excited. But this is a situation situation where I was, like, oh, this is, like, completely new to me. So I, like, did a little bit of, like, looking into Tropicalia, like, as, like, a genre and, like, as, like, a movement. It was insanely short-lived as far as, like, the peak. Yeah, as far as, like, maybe a year and a half I was to shocked. two years. Well, it was, like, a bo- it was birthed out of, like, a pol- political, like, uprising of, yeah. like, far-left people so, during, like, a dictatorship, and that's crazy.
2: Yeah, so kind of. So I just bought this book called Brutality Garden by Christopher Dunn, if anyone wants to learn more about it. It's, like, a 300-page, like, and he did seven years of grad school at various, you know, Tulane and a couple Shit. other places. Mm. And he writes this, like, big... I guess dissertation or whatever on Tropicália, And I like it because it it is an academic text. So he's not just like, here's why I love this genre of music. And these guys are so cool. You know, he's like quoting uh, critics and scholars and stuff. And so I just have become so immersed in this. And what I feel like, not only is this music so good and so fun and like, it's great, but this particular cultural movement of tropicalia, I feel like is so important into understanding sort of 20th century geopolitics and, uh, the way that like culture has been shaped by you know the uh, even like globalism to a certain extent, yeah. and yeah. it's it's so fascinating. It's you see like the merging of cultures and what effect that can have. And then in the background, to your point, Noah, like there was this big, very important uh, military coup in 1964 there that I think has e- extremely uh, profound impacts today in the life of Brazilians and also just you know at as at large what that has done to the global Uh, geopolitical situation i guess like that coup in 64 which the u.s did help back uh you don't say (laughs) Chef. was very bad for them it like really did a lot of damage to the country in the long term that they have not really gotten out from under quite honestly now over 50 years later uh not that we're so great here or whatever, but I'm just saying like it's it there there's still a lot of oppression in Brazil. It's very sure tragic. And this movement did spring up spring up, but what was very interesting about this movement, Tropicalia specifically, is that the right wing hated them. They thought they were, you know, trying to do free expression and they were challenging the social norms and they got upset about that. And then the left wing hated them because they were like, You're not anti American enough.
3: And you're not oh, political wow.
2: enough. And there was this big pushback against like Os Mutantes, who's part of the Tropicália movement. Mm-hmm. They used electric guitars, which was heavily American at the time. Sure. It was considered like if you're playing electric guitar in Brazil, it's you're playing American music. And so people wow. were fear like the left was furious at them for doing that because they were like, you shouldn't be normalizing American culture or whatever. Which you know, like take whatever side of that argument you. I think there's it's like a valid argument to make potentially. But they also were, uh, Canteno Veloso, who's one of the two main guys with Gilberto Gil, he sort of talks about the movement they were trying to do, which was just sort of free expression as the overriding force that can escape politics. And as as a culture that is today, I feel like permanently politics-brained, that is like an interesting notion to me, that you can do things that are subtly political without
1: expressly being political. Sure. I, uh,
0: I it's like, interesting yeah. that you, I'm sorry, Mason, go for it. Go for no, it. no, no. I was just
1: going to say, I like that, 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 that thought I'm going to chew on that.
0: No, all you. Okay. Um, all I was going to say is that like the story of that movement and that, like, if you want to call it a genre, but like of tropicalia, it's not necessarily that like the forming of that is like a unique story, but what's interesting is that it's almost like they were such a like quote unquote flash in the pan and such like a short lived situation that like neither side was like wanted to own it. It was like yeah. this insanely weird, like middle ground. Whereas like, I think of like punk music, like, yeah. like the uprising of like punk music and like yeah, the seventies great... and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where
2: I think like any very... good thing you're pissing off people on both sides, you know, like not to be like the, the ultimate way is the middle of the road. Cause that's definitely not my politics by any means, but like, I feel oh, like interesting. Is that true? It's not, that's not where you believe. But I feel like, uh, you know, it's that same thing of like in the 90s where people were like video games are too violent and it was like, right. well, that's a stupid thing. And, you know, that's that's an example of how it's like, regardless of the, where they are in the political spectrum, people can just be sort of reactionary and get very upset about things that are beyond their, you know, that are insignificant because they feel a lack of control totally. or whatever.
0: Yeah, they feel a lack of control, and they also, they think they, I think especially in that case of video games as well, they also want something to blame. They want to be yeah, able to look, to look at it and, you know, to fix the video games.
2: They want the problem yes. to be fixable.
0: Yeah, yes. They say if we ban violent video games and we prevent our kids from playing violent video games, then there won't be school shootings. There won't be, like, you know, insane, you know, whatever these problems are not the case you know that's been proven that that's not yeah. necessarily the case but like it's interesting that like this is like a this is a this is a very fast rise of something that created these very and this very it's very i would all i would i would argue to use the term experimental oh, music yeah. Yeah. Oh, of just, just different, different instrumentation yes very intentionally they're they they have this all these emotions that are coming from both sides and it's like it's like listening to that first track. What is that first track called? I'm going to totally oh, yeah, I, I, it. I
2: will probably not be pronouncing most of these songs, but <laughs> <laughs> track the, one. The first,
0: yes, track one. I'm going to give it now, my shot, ready? Because I've already identified myself on that on this podcast as that guy who's yeah. going to try it out. But it's now identificado. Yeah. I'm going to guess. That's what yeah. I'm going to guess. And you know, no, it's uh, interesting
2: to the point you were just making about like, people wanting it to be something that can solve, you know, like, this bigger thing, or I guess the point we were both making there. Like, that is a criticism people had of the Tropicali movement, that if you look in the lyrics, which seem kind of slight, and they seem, you know, they're sort of love songs, and they're like, I'm walking through town thinking about the girl or whatever. But they're they're very poetic. They focused more on the idea of, like, you are trapped in a repressive system. How do you live in your day-to-day life within that? Which I think... Yeah. yeah, that can frustrate people politically when they're talking about mass movement and change stemming from that. And when you were just, you know, when a coup just happened, you want to be able to... Right. Imri- but I think, like, this is so... this That sentiment of, like, at the end of the day, we are just going to sort of be people walking around for most of our lives. And what is that experience like? And, you know, let's talk about that experience more than the greater ideas that sort of exist in conversation but not really in action. The movement was very short-lived to Noah's point. They got kicked out of the country for being perceived as political, um, which is ironic because, you know, like, it, it was so, you know, they everyone hated them. The, the people who were saying they weren't political enough, the people who were saying they were too political. In the end, they attended some protest, I think, about a student who was killed by the police. And for attending that protest yeah. publicly, uh, Gilberto Gil and Cantano Veloso were sent overseas to London for three years. They were exiled. And that sort of killed Jeez. the movement. But... yeah. Gal Costa was not sent overseas, but she was and at I the. She, was,
1: she at, was at the at the rally with them or the the meeting with them.
2: She was. I she was also the Tropicália movement was very clearly defined with very explicit members, and it started because Gilberto Gil and There's a lot of background to give to the album. I'll try to do it quick, but Gilberto Gil and Canteno Veloso met in college. They were these guys who these two brilliant musicians who found each other and were like competing with each other. You know, it was a sort of Lennon McCarthy thing mccartney yeah. um and ironically the thing you know they met gal costa they met os mutantes they met i think tom zay and a couple other guys and then they were trying to figure out they were doing concerts they were like doing you know live stuff a little bit they were writing a little bit and then uh sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band came out and apparently mm-hmm. gilberto gill listened to that and was like this has changed music as we know it, and we are going to create something like this, and this will be the movement, it will be Tropicalia, this will be the whole thing. So it stemmed out of this one album called Tropicalia Upanis e *Circensis* or something? I don't know, 68. It's a great album. It's not on Spotify, but it's on YouTube. Um, and Gal Costa was had two songs on that. She was very much part of it. I don't quite understand why she wasn't exiled too, but I know that she just like pivoted to disco. So if you listen yeah. to any like mm-hmm. 7 mid 70s mm-hmm. or later Gal Costa, it's very very light. It's just disco. It's just like It's
0: like a swing in the opposite direction of what was totally happening maybe yeah. it out of fear potentially, yes. but you know, we we don't know, but it, uh, not only was she pivoting, she's prolific. She has so much she music. so oh, yeah. much music. Crazy. Like, yeah, I it's like Going looking for this
1: album on Spotify, like from her page, yeah. I, like you go to the yeah. album page, and you have to scroll from like basically an album every year since the late '60s, which I think is like yeah, you know kudos worked. to her for putting in that fucking hustle and like still. And I
2: mean, Gilberto gill like Gil was like the minister of culture in Brazil in the mid 2000s, so these guys were oh, wow. very much vindicated, and mm-hmm. I think *Tropicalia* is considered. What was interesting about Tropicalia at the time, and I think since then, is it bridged this gap between, there were sort of two types of music in Brazil at the time, the music for the working class and the music for, like, the intellectuals, you know, the elites of society or mm. whatever. Mm. They had, like, the more poetic music, and then the, the working class had the more, like, traditional music, and they were working to bridge that, and so it was accessible in both groups, and I think that remains true today, that, like, within critic critical circles... Like, Pitchfork, I think, very much likes Tropicalia. They did some write-up, um and also I think in Brazil I don't know there's one random Brazilian guy I know is my source on that but he's like oh yeah everyone loves Tropicalia man. like it's this you know like yeah he's like it's great
0: did you also see this guy at the UCV intersection? No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no he was a- he's actually a guy who watches everything now and talks to us sometimes no shit Very <laughs> cool. yeah Very cool. and he watches from Brazil and so one day I was talking about Tropicalia on the stream and he was like oh that's my favorite genre man like everyone loves he's like my grandma loves it but also like it's i think it's so good so it feels like that's sort of the classic rock of brazil you know it's yeah, like the yeah. rolling stones yeah, or whatever right. but with gal costa specifically to get to now center in narrow on this it in. actual this actual album you might notice that she is not a songwriter
1: mm-hmm. well that was my thing is that i knew i knew um I recognize exactly one song on this album and that's because it was, uh, it was the, the, it was baby, which is an Osmutantes cover. And speaking of discover weekly, that was a discover weekly track for me back in like 2016.
2: So the Gal Costa baby was the Discover Weekly track. I believe was the Discover Weekly track that sent me on this whole rabbit. That's hole. crazy, sure. Uh, yeah, and because uh, it's such a good song, that's a, I It's like a her great song. And I feel like that
1: song, yeah. like or covers of that song, specifically that song, have shown up in my Discover Weekly uh, a handful of times. Yeah. Like it just seems like everybody who like wants can cover it get like wants to basically you know yeah it, and it's i think a probably bad-ass a, yeah, a badass song <laughs> i love that song
2: yeah and i think probably another reason that this one didn't like this one kind of faded into obscurity more it's written by canteno veloso baby so neither you know no one gets claim over it i don't think canteno veloso ever recorded his own version of the song mm-hmm. um but because she wasn't a songwriter, I feel like people don't want to, like, credit her for the Tropicalia movement as much. Those two yeah, main guys, sure. Gilberto yeah. Gil and Cantano Veloso, are sort of considered the the minds behind it, which is a fair claim. And then Os Mutantes, I think, had their own sort of cult following that was irrelevant to Tropicalia, I think. I know a lot of people who know Os Mutantes as, like, a band that don't really know any of the stuff around yeah. it. Yeah, and you and... you
1: say that, and the, it's kind of the the American version of that that's coming to mind is like Linda Ronstant or something
0: who, mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. Yes.
1: Who is,
2: in her moment. Yeah. Was huge. Yeah. And, and, and I would, yeah. I would give the same art. The reason I chose the Gal Costa album, as opposed to like one of the Gilberto Gil or Canteno Veloso ones is like, those are all good. I don't know if one sort of stands out above the others, but like she, to me is one of the, if not the best singer I've ever heard. I mean, just, like... She's
1: incredible. From yeah.
2: from a raw, like, the technical, like, being a singer and just the passion and emotion that you have to put behind music, which, in my view, is not something that, like, you can kind of get technically. Like, that's just something you're going to hear on the song or not. Mm-hmm. And, like, she has it to such... I mean, like, the versions of her songs are just, to me, so much more powerful than the other versions. And she is this incredible singer. And I feel like people tend to sort of discredit singers if they're not also songwriters. And I feel like I, you know, I want to like stand up for that because what she's doing with these songs, like they wouldn't be the same if Canteno Veloso was doing them on his own, I think.
0: Yeah. No, No, she's got this like powerhouse voice, like literally like, or You know who it reminded me a lot, actually, of is uh, Minnie Riperton. I don't know if you yes. guys are familiar mm-hmm. with, well, she, with Minnie Riperton. Another
2: example she gets compared to a lot is Janis Joplin. She's been called, like, the Brazilian Janis oh, Joplin. Oh, interesting. And she, her next album... Throwback,
1: throwback to the show.
2: Her next album after Gal Costa is, I think, also called Gal Costa, or it's called Gal.
1: <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it
2: depends, like, where you read it. It's either also called Gal Costa or it's just called Gal, but six, 1969, same year, it's, like, a blue cover... And she has this one song on that called uh, Me Nome Gal, I think, which is My Name is Gal. And it is like, she just screams for like three minutes of it. And it's the most beautiful. Oh, boy. It's like the most beautiful, captivating. You're just picturing enrapting. the kind of
1: parallel universe where uh, uh, Janis Joplin doesn't die and has a extensive uh, disco career. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, you go like, so, see the so. all the live concert albums of Janis Joplin on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes it's like, think Uh, about how lucky, I mean, I don't know, that's not the right term, but like Jim Morrison's legacy or whatever, how much worse it would be if he was able to age into an old man and become, like, I feel like he'd be like a Trump guy now, maybe. A hundred percent, are you kidding uh, me? Are you kidding me? I, absolutely, like, like,
1: that dude was like, you talk to people that were kind of like, like, people that were oh, look, in look that scene nugent. yeah yeah it, like, exactly like ted nugent like you, you talked you listen to people who were like a, in that scene in la at that time and most of them were like yeah jim was just like a sexy guy like he wasn't like that good of a poet <laughs> or anything he just was like really hot and then like he started to drink a lot and got fat basically and then you know died at a young age and that like, kind of solidified his mystique but i think like if he was around like today he'd definitely be like some kind of like, weird, like, a Mike Love character, I think, and, like, yes. the rest of the oh, Doors would be, analogy. like, Ray Manzarek would be playing with, like, the real Doors or whatever, you know, like, yeah. doing solo
0: stuff. Well, Ray Manzarek's well, they'd but... be doing, like, Seven Feathers Casino at the Oregon Coast or something like that. Like, they'd just be doing, like, these terrible <laughs> fucking shows that, like, Earthwind & Fire is doing shows down there, too, and I'm like, fuck, that's so sad that Earthwind & Fire has been saw, resorted to doing shows I saw, I was driving
2: some random highway outside of Los Angeles, and, like, it was just like very random town, maybe in Ventura County. I don't quite remember. And it was one of those big signs for like a concert venue, but it was the most bare bones, just like white sign with the black block Damn. text that you put in. You yeah. Know, yeah. You I, should... I think I know the sign yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And it yeah. just said like Herman's, what are they called? Herman's Hermits. Herman's Hermits. Herman's, <laughs> Herman's, <laughs> Herman's Hermits. Like aug- August 26th. And I was just like, who is
0: going to that <laughs> <laughs> Like, who is he? <laughs> It's not that people are going to it, it's when you're going to the casino on those dates you go, oh, I guess we're seeing Herman's Hermit. That's what that is. Uh, standout... Mason, what tracks stood out to you on this thing?
1: Standout tracks, I mean, I honestly, I loved this whole album. It was like each track I think uh, I loved for its own individual reasons, but like the big ones for me were, uh, I'm going to fuck this up, were uh, Val Recomezar. I don't know yeah, how to same. say that. I loved that one. I also loved Que um, Peña um yeah that was when I, so uh noah i did listen to this album twice like i do with every single okay, album debatable <laughs> wow. debatable i know <laughs> i know uh but i listened to this album before we right before we started recording i just kind of went on a like a post work kind of come down drive just driving around the burbs or whatever and when i was getting on the yeah, highway yeah. uh to come back home and k pena came on and i was just like kind of vibing and booging out i'm like i think that's my one from this album that i really really loved um because it does kind of have that like what i love about this album is from the beginning there's like this like psychedelic like kind of punch i'm just like jesus fucking what is this thing gonna be like what did what did chris bring on to the show here uh and then it like eases it it's it's so cool because you know we talked about like it's, it's this kind of like experimental mix of like all these like sort of other I think contemporary genres from just like kind of that were in the studio at that time like psychedelia and like hard rock and all this other shit
2: but there's always this, but then also very this, traditional Brazilian well, that's the stuff. point I was going to say well, is that there's the like, like yeah.
1: it's uh, it, that stuff the foundation of everything is this is kind of like traditional, like bossa nova kind of like this, this recognizable bossa nova kind of stuff. And not that I am against, you know, the experimentation or whatever, it's just the song that I think I'm going to listen, re listen to the most is probably going to be Kei because that's the most like bossa nova you know, just like,
2: yeah, that is a great one. That's one a Canteno Veloso, right he even sings on that one. My favorite, yes,
1: yes, yeah.
2: Actually, no, you go first, I'll go mine because mine are, yeah, you know, mine are the best. Okay, obviously.
0: my top three. So, first of all, I want to echo what you said, Mason. When that opening to Now Identificado came on, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I know, like, I know, I am so scared. <laughs> um, but it, it, it really does like flip the script on you because it is unbelievably beautiful. It actually reminded me a lot. Of, like, the way David Lynch uses sounds in his movies. Like, the way that that, like, like, opens on, like, the, like... Drone, and you're like, "Oh shit!" But it's almost like the opposite effect. Like in the opening of Blue Velvet, where everything's perfect and sunny, and everything, and then you get closer into the ground, and you see the worms, and the sound starts to get more. Also, think about
2: it for them at the time. So they're living in beautiful tropical Brazil. Think Carmen Miranda. Think like that's what they're sort of known as. They're like everything here is great. Meanwhile, they're literally being murdered by their own military. Like they're being the the student protesters are being shot in the street by the military. Like it's getting intense. So that's something that Canteno Veloso at least talks about, like honing in on in the sound of this movement is that contrast of like everything here is very nice. It's very pretty. It's very, you know, sweet. But then there's also like chaos, you know, and like I feel like the music yeah. expresses that. 100 so well. percent.
0: I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that that is it's it's kind of impossible to talk about not only this album, but the movement of Tropicalia without talking about the politics yeah. and the political like uprising that was and happening And if you're a, all the time. somebody
2: who likes history I don't know. I like history a lot and like the effect it has on culture and everything around yeah, it. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. And this al this genre I think is so, you know I, I can't like of course all genres of music you can tie to the politics of the moment, but this one I feel like is so like if you were to make a movie about you know, Gal Costa or whatever that talks about just 1960s Brazil. And you talk about how like the, 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 rise of authoritarianism, the death of, you know, like the people's movements of the era and like what springs out of that. And like the culture, you know how that was happening all over the world in that decade, really. But like, uh-huh. it was so uh-huh. perfectly on display in Brazil. I feel like where they had a literal, just like the military came in and was like, no more free expression. Like everyone go back <laughs> Damn. to bed.
1: Everybody go back to bed no no yeah. fucking no going <laughs> everybody stay inside you don't get to get your uh, hair cut okay everybody stay
0: inside <laughs> um as far as the three tracks though that like uh i loved most from this album i think vo i don't even know how i'm gonna say it but whatever mason said vo rem recommend car yeah. Uh, yeah. that was yeah the that was probably my standout I
2: before i gave the full album a listen i knew baby and that one and those were the two i had
0: yeah I like to be honest with you. As far as the English language songs go, I actually prefer "Lost in Paradise" uh, to "Baby," which I don't wow. know if it's a hot take that or not. That is a but, hot take. That's pretty. But exotic. that I did like. That would that would make my top uh, three as well. And then uh, I don't even know how to just, how to say this one, but yeah. e Quesa yeah, yeah. mais Linda K existe." That's that one is just well. a trip. Yeah. Yeah that's not, that's just a trip so that's my top three what do you got as far as top three goes? that Chris? one is
2: in my top three as well and Gilberto Gil does an insane version of that song on his self-titled album from the same year or from 68 I forget but that song is like a bonus track on one of his albums and it is the it sounds like a circus for like a minute and then suddenly it's that song it's just very great yeah, um, chef. that is mine baby is definitely in my top three And my actual favorite song on this album is uh, "Namorinha de Portal. I feel so stupid saying these things. (laughs) The fourth track. The fourth track. Yeah, I like that one a lot too.
1: I think that would be like. That one is uh, my
2: favorite. It's the only one written by not Cantano Veloso or um, Gilberto Gil. It's written by Tom Z, who's another guy at the movement. He was the one who totally disappeared into like poverty and obscurity and then david byrne found him and resurrected oh, his my period. guy
1: hell yeah david yeah. byrne doing it for the fucking yeah. culture what a champ
2: i just started because i'm obviously like working my way through every Tropicalia album so i just got to the Tom Zay album that this song appears on and now i'm like listening to his version of it for the first time which is great but her version i mean like i cannot think of just a more beautiful song like if you're just it's a sunny day and you're going for a drive not a lot of cars on the road you can go kind of fat you know you're going like 60 on the highway 70 whatever yeah and you're just playing that song i can't imagine just like a more blissful experience than that for myself personally
0: (laughs) damn that's beautiful the uh the speaking of david byrne this is going to come out after but on the day of recording today i believe is david byrne's birthday wow Happy happy birthday yeah I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that a double I'm gonna give that a double confirm so that I don't strike out big time on that. Happy but, birthday to uh, the real
2: chef David Byrne. It's either the 14th or real the 15th. Real chef David Byrne. I know
0: this because it's they have the 14th, day, yes! May 14th.
2: I saw
1: yeah.
2: American Utopia on Broadway.
1: You saw it on Broadway. I saw it when he came to the uh, Shiner's Auditorium, like in 20. Did he
2: have that wild stage where it was just the metal walls that would go up?
1: I, I was in the nosebleeds. I could just, like, basically just hear him. I was not part of the full experience, but I think it, I oh, think it was there. Yeah, I think that he had that. But that was – God, was that was there, an incredible yeah, show. These, like,
2: yeah, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, I I knew Talking Heads, but I didn't really know a lot. And, like, I knew David Byrne was, like, a guy to know and that he's good. And, you know, I knew the five songs everyone's supposed to know. Yeah. And then I went and saw that kind of, like, by accident. My mom – I was back home, and my mom wanted to go see a show, and she – like had some deal where she was getting something in the day of ticket. I don't know. And so we ended up going to that one and it was like one of the best shows I've ever been to. That guy
0: is Chris. Chris had messaged me and said, like I was like, say I like tweeted something that was like, like and once you hear the stop making sense version of this must be the place, like you can't go back to the album version. Yeah. And Chris was like, well, have you heard the American utopia version? And I said, no. So I listened to that one. And although I do have to say, I like, the stop making sense version more the american utopia version slaps big time and i'm never going to pick the album version ever i will always go to one of those it's, two yeah, right. that's such a, that's
1: a that is a song that you have to hear live i'm totally with you on that i think yeah. i feel the same way with like just kind of every alt every cut off of stop making sense i would kind of much rather listen to the live those those live tracks he has, live
2: tracks yeah he has one song in american utopia that's on his most recent album called bullet that on the album's pretty i mean i don't the album is pretty good actually but that one song on the album's not super great the live version it's like maybe the best song in the show it was so good <laughs> the yeah. live version on spotify you can listen to the album from the show and like that song is so, bullet from the live from american utopia i think is so so good and then you listen to the one on the album and it's like really doesn't compare to me but anyway <laughs> he's not Tropicalia. He's not Brazil.
0: <laughs> no, he's but just, I he's think not. he was heavily influenced yes, he by is. Tropicalia. And the
2: more Tropicalia I listen to, the more like world music in general that I listen to, the more I'm like, David Byrne kind of just stole all those sounds, but he did it really
1: good. And so we like him And I feel for- like David Byrne always gives credit where credit is <laughs> credit due. In yeah, yeah. Well, it.
2: that's what I mean. He literally revived Tom Z's career. Like he, he did albums with this guy. Like he brought him to the States. He had him do concerts. Like he did a concert at Carnegie Hall with Quentena Villoso like 10 years ago. He he is very respectful to the music. He's not just like stealing it, you know? Yeah. I, I am a yeah. big David Byrne. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So Well chefs,
0: chefs we still have a fucking movie to talk about. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> <This> do we, <laughs> let let's let's get to the recommend portion of this so that we have some time to give to the movie. Chris, do you recommend this album and this these kind of music? I
2: give an unequivocal recommend to this. I think if you don't like this stuff, what the hell is wrong with you? Like like people Damn. have sometimes told me, like you listen to elevator music, man, and I think *Bossa Nova* in particular is definitely elevator music. It, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's like the right. right
1: in the Blues Brothers, the music track that's playing when they're going to the Cook County like assessor's yeah. office yes. is the girl from Ipanema. So yeah. I think that's where exactly. That, that, so I uh, yeah, I totally
2: understand that, but I'll also say like if you really can listen to all this Brazilian music and stuff and just go, oh, this all sounds the same. This is all elevator music or whatever. You're you have no you have no palette at all like that's ridiculous you, you have to be able to tell the differences the subtleties and the nuances of these songs are so incredible and being able to tell the difference between them is it, it's like jazz where it's like when you can understand the minutiae the details it's it's so 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 much better if you don't like this album that's your fault it's not the fault of the album you need to work harder you need to try more
1: god Fuck, damn baby okay, god Mason, damn Mason, yeah Let's what about do, you no i mean no. full recommend for me man honestly like <laughs> This, like, I had no idea of the kind of, like, political context of this music, around this music that I wasn't enjoying in a younger period of my life. I was just enjoying it, you know, maybe because it was, like, you know, that was also when I was big into, like, kind of just, like, uh, Les Baxter and, like, lounge music and just, like, having that stuff on. Yeah. but, you know, those guys definitely cribbed from these artists. You know, that's kind yeah. of on that's, and they didn't give credit where credit was due in that case. Uh, but this is a full recommend uh, for hey, me. Look, I is, listen to this, a
2: lot of Elvis, is, so I know about like problematic things to enjoy. It's okay. If, there's there's, almost, hey,
1: there's almost nothing pure under the sun. Uh, but no, this is a full yeah. recommend. This is like kind of gets like the highest, the highest, like go out and listen to this that I can. It, I, to, like, to echo what Chris is, it's like aside from the political context around it it is just like it's 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 um it's so soulful i think it's so um it, it's just like so generous with its good spirit and it just the gal costa gal costa and tropicalia in general which i'm gonna listen to a lot more tropicalia now i think now that i know like the whole much of it. there
2: that. is a the yeah. reason i thought pitchfork i'm remembering now there's a pitchfork list that's like 20 essential tropicalia albums or whatever Perfect. And i there's recommend well. just Perfect. go through that 20 it's a
1: perfect but yeah this is full recommend i mean this is this this is
0: uh, excellent i thank thank you for ringing this on chef Noah. the uh, the author fred thomas on allmusic.com ends his uh, review of gal costa gal costa by saying the echo heavy productions patient strings and gorgeously floating melody of baby drive the album to its brilliant summit offering a perfect articulation of the pensive sexy strange and above all else sunny blur that. Tropicalissimo is what it says Tropical- that's Tropicalissimo term was.
2: They have,
0: yeah. Even in its very beginnings. Fred Thomas said it the best as that far as I can beautiful. like he said it better than I can. I that. So that's it's a full recommend from me. A big surprise to be totally honest with you. This was a big surprise. This gets a full recommend from me. Usually uh, if I
2: like something no it doesn't. So it is interesting. Yeah and
0: honestly
1: it's, like it's I heard, the I, second like the first the first uh second of this album I'm like
0: This is going to be an uphill battle for Noah, but I'm glad that (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that I've established my position on this show as a fucking idiot (laughs) and a philistine, uh, which I will be uh, potentially carrying into the next topic, which is the movie uh, That Man from Rio. Let's give claps in the chat for That Man from Rio. Um, Like I already said in the intro uh, to the show. Chris, as when we were done recording that first episode back in uh, the fall of 2019, Chris and I were hanging out and he told me, I just watched this movie called That Man from Rio. He told me in the H Mart food court uh, in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Little did I know, f- six months later, I'm going to be talking about it on did this I podcast. Did I tell you at the so time,
2: like, I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. You
0: told me, you were like... I cannot stop thinking about this movie. Yeah. I think it's so fun. Yeah. And that's like what you had said to me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I literally have never heard of it. And I remember saying like, yeah, i never heard of it. And you're like, oh, dude, you got to check it out. It's got John Paul Belmondo and in it. You were like, boy, right? just like gassing this movie up big time. So how did you stumble upon this thing man? So
2: my upstairs neighbor, I I was talking about how I was like getting into John Paul Belmondo. I was like, that guy's a really great actor. Um, and the reason I was doing that is this is like kind of a funny thing. Neurotic side detail But I was really Into Peter Sellers As a kid uh, Like yeah. I was super Obsessed yeah. with Peter Sellers I watched I think he had like 40-something feature films, and I had watched, like, 40 of them. Like, I was... Like, Holy shit. Goddamn, I, like, dude. So, like, how old were you when you saw, like,
1: being there?
2: <laughs> I was, like, maybe 15. That's I, insane. When I, at, 15. I, at first, I watched all of his comedies, and then, like, the early British comedy. I was, like, really, really obsessed with this guy. It's funny, too, because he's, like, this character guy, and I'm not at yeah. all that. So, it's weird that I have... Maybe it is, like, I feel like he was doing the thing I can't do. Yeah. But... Yeah. I was obs- I read so much about him. I was, you know, like, so, so... Devoted to that actor, basically, and then I read this 450-page memoir—not memoir, memoir, uh, biography—of Peter Sellers. Damn! Wow! And he is like one of the worst possible people. Like he's like maybe (laughs) he's like kidnapped his wife. He has like physically abused his kids. Like he—he was really just an awful. He's an awful person yeah. to yeah. work with. He he was just like really one of the worst people, really. Like and wow. wow. It was really horrifying to read as and I kept reading further and I was like, This is one of the worst men you could pick. Like you couldn't do a worse job meanwhile i'm also like well that sucks and my favorite director is woody allen luckily nothing will happen there <laughs> and so like yeah. so like there's this sort of series of bad things happening where i'm like am i the am i the problem you know that all these people yeah, that i like yeah uh, and
1: the, the the common denominator uh, there where is, i ended is up in that case did i lose you guys oh boy i said that because uh chris glitched out on us
0: oh. chris we lost you oh boy yippee
2: Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I I literally didn't touch anything. It just cut out all of a sudden.
1: No worries. So you were saying uh, that's all good. Yeah. So you were saying, Woody Allen was. So your yeah, yeah. Director. I'm
2: I'm liking all these problematic people, and it's bothering me. Yeah. So I like make a point of like I need to find non bad people that I like, and I'm thinking about you know who do I like? Are they okay? Are they bad? And that's how I get really into Henry Winkler, who I already knew about, but I got Ooh, much more right. into because. I have learning disabilities or as a kid I had, you know, I had to take academic support class, you know, I had to go sit in this little closet-sized classroom with three other kids who couldn't read so good and we had to like learn to read quicker and like my teacher brought in this article about Henry Winkler one day like having dyslexia and being a, the Fonz one day and I was like that's really cool So I loved Henry Winkler, Alan Alda. I always thought
0: that that was, like, such bullshit, like, about the, like, that kind of stuff. Because it's like, yeah, everyone reads slow when they're trying to, like, fucking figure out what something means. Like, I always thought that shit was, like, insane. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, like... Uh, the concept of learning disability? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not the concept of learning disability. Well, yeah, I think I do think that you—the fact that you have a learning disability—is insane. Yeah. Uh, but no, just like like that, we need you to read quicker so that you can get done with yeah, the book faster. Yeah, well, like, it is like yeah, when you're like,
2: standardizing and regimenting everything. If somebody, yeah, reads it yeah, a
0: that's pace, what's, that's you know, what's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and but so Winkler, Alan Alda, another just gem of a human being, such a sweet man. He's been like an advocate for women's rights for long, long before that was like a socially, you know, like the one cool true thing ally or whatever. Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Alda's been an ally of women for 50 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Elliot Gould, I don't know if he's problematic, and I have a feeling <laughs> he is but I'm yet to find, I any, haven't like, heard hard anything and I'm
1: really like, I right. It. I haven't heard it. And but I kind of don't want to put everyone that out talks there.
2: about like how there's the wild years of Elliot Gould. And like, usually the wild years to me implies like possible. Oh, yeah. It. Like possible pedophilia stuff in Hollywood, you know, like one of those right, guys right, where you're like right, at the Epstein right. parties. So I'm always concerned about that. Uh, but he seems to be cool so far. And then another one was John Paul Belmundo, who, as far as I can tell, is just like this pretty cool actor guy who well, has not makes done me anything happy. bad. Yeah. 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 As far as I can tell. So I'm getting really into him. And my roommate upstairs, my guy who lives upstairs, not really my roommate, goes, I just watched this crazy movie. I have no idea how I found it. And that's the that's kind of romantic part of it, too, for me. He's like, I have no idea how I found this movie or where it came from on my radar or whatever. But you have to watch that Man from Rio, and he said he was is like
0: Paven or Tommy. Paven,
2: and he was like, yeah, yeah. I didn't even like it that much, but you're going to be obsessed with it. And I remember mm. he kept saying that he's like, this is going to be your favorite movie, and I was like, okay, okay, whatever. Oh boy! And for like oh five months, I don't watch it, and then finally, I guess a week before recording the last episode, I was on this. I sit down to watch it, and sure enough, I was just like, oh, they seemingly made a movie specifically for me. You know, yeah, and this is a movie that. What I like about it is, it's just the things I want in movies, and so like this is the last one. I was very adamantly saying, if you don't like that album, there's something wrong with you, and it's a you problem. In this one, I will completely say, if if you don't like this movie, that's totally fine. I get that. That makes complete sense to me, and that's fine. Yep. But if you like. The plot of this, like, if you just read the long line of this movie and this sounds cool to you, I promise you it is. It is going to live up to what you're hoping it's going to be. It's so good. It checks all the boxes of, like, cool, beautiful 1960s music's all, like, Bossa Nova, beautiful Brazilian music. Uh, everyone in the movie is very pretty, and all the shots look good, and they go to all these big, fancy houses, and there's this mystery of, like, this ancient artifacts and you're like are these statues mythical and then like who is on whose side and meanwhile this is all happening in like a very tight time frame because like there's these guys kidnapped belmundo's girlfriend and he's literally just chasing them for half the movie pretty much like and yet yeah
1: and yeah yeah
2: It's everything I want a movie to be. And so I love it.
1: I would say, like, I had never heard of this movie. This was nowhere near. Yeah, that's the other thing. And who's
2: this director? Who's this guy? I don't know. I was thinking of his
1: IMDb, and it's like he apparently, like, he, like, his top four on IMDb, like, they hover like around like kind of the same like general like audience score
2: there's a trilogy there's also there's the belmundo de broca trilogy there's that man from rio up to his ears and le magnifique
1: nice and it seems like he
2: didn't make that much other than that he's like a french director i guess
0: Right. he feels like like maybe the Sean Levy of France or something like that, where it's just like some guy who's made a lot of movies that people in France have seen. This movie was popular when it came out. Yeah. Like, this movie is not, like, to the people that saw this movie at the time it came out. It was a big deal. Like, this was, like, top ten movie of and the And I will
2: out. also say, oh, you guys want to hear, like, a pre-corona, you know, you'll never have <laughs> this again, but remember this time? Yeah, yes,
1: yeah, please. There
2: was one night, and... You know, I can reveal this now cuz we don't know the dates and the specifics, but there was one night I bailed on everything now. I did not do an episode Ooh. I was supposed to do. Uh-oh. I Uh-oh. lied to them and said that there was a friend of mine in town for one night only and I couldn't get out of it. What I actually did is I saw that screening in Glendale, one night only, one showing only, was that man from Rio. No way. Yes, wow. At some random theater in Glendale. And I Was it the Lemley? Yes. Yes, And I didn't tell anybody. I quietly bought the ticket on my computer. Half an hour before the show, I drove up to Glendale. I parked my car in the the public lot. I bought some popcorn and some bunch of crunch. I sat down to watch the movie. It was the second time or third time I had seen it. Everything I wanted it to be. The movie ended. I, I got up, got my trash, my popcorn and everything. Got back in my car, drove home. It was the most beautiful experience. And now I think back <laughs> on it, and I go, that will never be again. It's a thing Dude, I miss. going to
0: see a movie by yourself is so – chef's kiss. It's I so – Especially
2: oh, a movie oh, you really oh. love. Like, I was so excited to see this. And then, like, I got to see it on the big screen. And this is a movie, I think, that benefits from, like, having the huge, huge screen. It's shot yeah, on totally all like, – You know, yeah, the yeah. colors in this movie are so good. And
0: that I will say – I'm, I'm going to come out and just say it straight up – I'm not a huge fan of this film overall, but again, there are things. <laughs> but uh, but again, there are things about this movie that I really do appreciate, and the number one thing being the fact that you really get to see Rio and Brazil yes. for real. Yeah. oh, it's for real, dude! It's breathtaking. So good. Like when he's up on the uh, when he's up in the construction zone, yeah, and you're just like, like, like looking atop at, at those planes. I mean first of all that scene is pretty fantastic of him going across the board and running up and down the stairs like with the yeah, sawdust yeah, everywhere yeah. gives so much texture to the scene but when he's up on the top and he's like hanging down from the edge and all for a second you can just see are those planes of just amber and blue I mean it's just breathtaking it's so beautiful
2: Yeah it's it's such an incredible and then also the even the architecture they get like the homes that that rich man's home that they go Adolfo to for the City. party
1: Yeah I love, yeah. uh, that was seeing him in this movie was such a treat because my like kind of quarantine project has been watching all the James Bond movies. movies? Um, and <laughs> yeah. I just, re-watched, I was going to say that Mason. Yeah. And I just rewatched Thunderball. Um, and uh, that is, man. that was a movie that I think kind of diminished in my like mind rewatching it. I don't, it's yeah. uh, of the Connery bonds. I think it's maybe the best looking i think ken adams production design and that like really hits i think it shot really well it's just like two hours long like two and a half hours long it's just like way i too also much
2: feel plug, like it's it was plug. a little like campier like almost too far where like there was yeah, the fun like, campiness of like, were, like goldfinger and dr no but i feel like that one you were like oh man we're like really
1: <laughs> no. i they got dr no uh, from rush with love and goldfinger they really like kind of by even like by contemporary standards my yeah. mi- in my mind they like really do a good job of like the sexism and that shit's still there but it's not like so obnoxious and then after goldfinger they just decide we're gonna really dial up the misogyny and the sexism i'm like no thank you and then they like heard my voice from the future saying that was a little too misogynist for you only you only live twice they're like we heard you you want more racism and i'm like that's not what i said you guys aren't listening to me over here
2: I had How that experience ago? with a, another amazing French comedy you guys should watch called OSS 117, Cairo, Nest of Spies. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've God. seen those, yeah. So, yeah, Whoa. I knew that
2: in French class. They showed that to us in high school. The guy went on to make The Artist later on. and I, I actually, know, it's so uh, crazy. I yeah. actually insulted that guy at a Q&A by accident once, and it still haunts me to this day. What
0: did you Ooh. say to this man?
1: Jean-Dujardin or Michel Hazardin Hazard- 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 issues?
2: <laughs> he was talking to a small group of people at this college we all attended. And, uh, at one point he said, I just made this new movie and nobody likes it. And I let out a little laugh, a little like nose laugh, like, a <laughs> 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 because I thought it was funny. He was being like, I tried to make a non-comedy and it, people hate it. And I was like, okay, he's, he's being a little self-deprecating and he turns to me and goes, I guess that's funny. And I'm, Whoa. and oh, I boy. was like, "Ah." Uh, And there's this kind of awkward laugh in the room. And we just moved on. And then after brutal. I went up to him for the Q&A, part, after the thing, when we were all just, like, going to shake his hand, I was like, did you watch the old Pink Panther movies a lot? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I fucking knew you did. And then I left. La- I mean, I didn't say that, but, like...
0: <laughs> I fucking knew you did. I, ba- you like, bitch. that was I the infer...
2: I, again, like, I was trying to say, like, I was basically trying to be like, do you like all these movies I like? Because I think you do. And he was like, yeah. But it came off as me saying, like, I saw you steal those bits from that movie, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> so I have a That's really so bad me and him have a bad dynamic I guess is what I'm saying from that but he has the OSS 117 Cairo Nest of Spies one of the best funniest movies I can like so funny so so no that movie is really funny funny. the sequel to it it's that same thing where they were like I think you were complaining that last time none of the humor was about racism so we're gonna go ahead and make it only about racism in this (laughs) one that's smart
0: that's very smart
2: and it's just unwatchable. I don't know why. And I think they're trying to do the like commentary on how racist those movies were, but it's like, it doesn't, you know That's what I mean? That's brutal. It's, yeah.
0: When you're trying to like it's make so a point about something. Do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so brutal. And I feel the... like,
1: so to bring it back to this movie, I think that there is a touch of that in this movie, um, in certain parts, which was like really kind of caught me by surprise. Um, and was like kind of pretty welcome that there was a little self-awareness for just like the destruction yeah well i like the way they
2: were talking about how like there was the thing where they were talking about the museum in france and they were like we were the bad guys in that story you know they were saying like we're the colonialists we're not the good so like for me i was and i imagine philip de broca i don't know pretty much anything about him but is he just like a french guy like from france
1: that's definitely so where French is as good as mine. Like, yeah, I I didn't do any research into this guy either. Yeah, but that's he's the just thing a random like, French so, guy from
2: France, so, but I don't know why he made I mean, these I was, like I mean, very I was, international movies all the time.
1: Yeah, I was so nervous watching this when that was like the plot that like these, you know, the Brazilians were stealing this this artifact right. back. But I love that's one of the things that I really love and was such a delight about this movie and why I think it really resonated with me and why I I I liked it a lot. Um just to kind of get just to touch on that th- touch on that here. I loved this movie. I really did. You, you're talking about how this is a, uh, I feel like if you, I grew up with Pink Panther movies also. Those were big for, like, family movie time. And there's times when I was watching this, especially, like, the singing scene at the end, and it just kind of devolves into yeah. chaos. I don't think that's from a Pink Panther movie, but I'm watching it, and I'm like, this reminds me of the, uh like, the 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 lodge scene in the first Pink Panther. Yeah. Just this kind of, like, And it came out the next year, song. you
2: know, and, like, I'm sure they are aware. Like, Blake Edwards was, I think, a very influential filmmaker in his moment. And, like, I do think that these people were aware of that. And I I think this, yeah, like, I think also what's really impressive um, for me in this movie, to your point of, like, it does seem to have pretty good politics, which is shocking for a movie in that time that could very easily not. And then, for me, going back to, like, why I like this movie in a maybe not so objective way is, like, The Pink Panther is, like, somewhat an example of this, but, like, you know when you're a kid and you watched i mean for our age we probably watched like pirates of the caribbean or like lord of the rings or something like that and yeah, you maybe yeah. went home after cuz you're like 7 or 8 or whatever and you like played pretend sort of within the world of yeah. that movie you know totally mm-hmm. pretending you're a pirate or whatever and if there was a really good movie you could you could sort of play around in that world for hours and then you got older and your like imagination became sort of more internal But, like, I still have, I don't know about you guys, but, like, if I'm watching a really good movie that I like the universe of a lot, I can, like, fantasize in it for a long time. Like, I can, like, Mm -hmm. play around with that in my head. And this is a movie that I was, like, I just want to live inside of this movie. Like, through the whole time I'm watching it, especially when I was watching it in that theater going back, I was, like, I just want to be this guy. I want to have to go chase my girlfriend down in Brazil right now, like. This is so, this is, I want to live in this moment of time. I want this music to be playing. Like, I couldn't have done it any better, you know? like they It's have your version it. of
0: escapism.
2: Yeah. And they'd, like, yeah. perfect. And, you know, it's just a special thing when you find, like, that very specific thing that you were looking for in the movie, you know?
0: I think it's interesting as well that, like, Jean-Paul, Bum- Jean-Paul Belmondo kind of became an action star a little bit like after yeah. like this movie. And yeah, he like yeah. does like a bunch of action stuff. And he does. And what I think is really baller about that is at the end of the sixties, his, his, he like really came into his own in the sixties, obviously starting with breathless and everything. But uh, yeah. in 1967, he makes the thief of Paris with Louis mall and he takes a year and a half off. And this is his quote on that. He says, one day it seemed that life was passing me by. I didn't want to work. So I stopped. Then one day, I felt like starting again. So I did. That is fucking awesome. That's the coolest thing like, in the
2: world. And that's like... is that that's a real big
0: dick show. That's I a love similar that.
2: Elliot Gould energy, I'll also say. Totally. Like, that's a very Elliot Gould oh, energy. Yeah. I do feel like I'm, like, triangulating around the coordinates of something with these guys that I'm, like, honing in on t- something here. It's,
1: it's like... I think there's a, a specific, I think like quality, like a specific masculine quality that you're attracted to with these guys, right? And, and like that's Elliot interesting Gould was when on you the talk. The really laconic end of that spectrum, and Jean-Paul Belmondo is on like the cool guy end of that spectrum. That's
2: so interesting too, and you talk about that and masculinity in particular. And I'm talking about having to find these sort of new uh, people I look up to in the face of like realizing that they're they were very awful people. And I think you're looking at this society that's sort of in upheaval and, and men of our generation are maybe like a little perplexed on masculinity. It's like this sort of changing notion. And people are Ryan. trying to find, you know, like, what it, what is non-toxic masculinity? What is being a, a man in today's world or whatever? Does that mean anything? And, like, unfortunately, you know, there's the rabbit hole you can go down into of, like, well, Jordan Peterson says to stand up straight or whatever. No. You know? So, but, like.
1: Clean your room. Clean your room. Yeah. The challenge
2: yeah. for people <laughs> our age is, like, obviously that guy's a charlatan, so, like, how do you find your own, you know, there is not one guy who's going to tell you what to do. And like, how do you find your own notions of masculinity? What are those notions? Yeah, and
0: like, I will and s- you find, sorry, Mason, yeah. go for it. I mean, I will say for, it's
1: just for me, I totally agree and sympathize and empathize with that. I, that's definitely been a challenge for me recently, especially in this kind of like, um, I think it's a cultural you know, yeah. thing. There's this, this, it, it is. And it was like, I think me too was the kind of like, Big, like, kind of climax of of all of that. And that was, like, the thing where it's, like, you can't ignore this is a problem anymore. And I think for the better, honestly, things have changed since then. Um, for me, uh, my kind of new masculine role model is uh, Robert Pattinson. Hell, yeah. Uh, because I, I've been... Uh, that's And especially since that um, GQ article came out recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so is basically that. just like slapstick theater. And you're like, this is a real man who's a millionaire and was like a sex symbol for years and is now just in like art movies. He's Batman, but he doesn't know that you can't microwave <laughs> tinfoil. Like that is the kind of where I want to be, you know? Because it doesn't yeah. seem like it's harmless or anything. He's just like curious And also very stupid. And I feel
0: like that is a thing that I can relate to, definitely.
2: (laughs) He's very, like, stoic. He really has the stoicism down, you know? Well, what's
0: interesting is that people that are still around, I'm thinking of one man in particular who did come from this era of this hyper-masculine and these certain ideas. I'm talking about our friend Clint Eastwood. He seems to be (sighs) struggling big time with how these things are changing. All you have to do is look at any movie he's made uh, last decade specifically the mule i don't know if you guys uh were brave enough to check out the mule but uh he's struggling with it he doesn't know how to figure it out and i think it's interesting and that it's probably he, because he's way... struggling
2: with it because he was really raised in a different time where like if you're a man you're supposed to like be kind of mean and like not have emotions or whatever you know and like yeah, yeah. it's so interesting i've been rewatching the tv show match i actually just watched the finale and it made me cry a lot for a long time congratulations and alan alda he no, really sure is that. this like he's just to me, this very great version of masculinity, which is like, he's this very delicate, sensitive guy. He loves to tell jokes and hang out, but, and he's very serious when the moment calls for it. He's not, you know, he's mean to the right people and he's not mean to the wrong people. And, you know, like he stands up for what he believes in. It's very, you know, watching that all back. I think it's very, and I also think like, you can't ignore, like you, you got to figure out how to be a person in society, you know, like,
0: or face the consequences. Yeah.
2: And, like, yeah. and, you know, hey, dude, like dudes rock, so, you know, be a guy, it's yeah. fun, it's, dude's it's yeah, dudes rock, it's fun, just... it's great, like, be it, just don't do it wrong, but, like, if you can do it good, it's fun, it's great. So,
1: Listen, bring it back to this like fucking
2: But, like, this guy, this is, like, to me, like, I mean, he does kind of yell at the girl a lot more than he should, but that's maybe a French thing more than anything. He, like, to me, this is, like, such a cool guy.
1: Yeah, and I also think like I was watching this movie and there's like a five minute stretch where she is like kinda drugged and I was like was very concerned she was gonna be just kinda like Ditzy damsel in character. But I thought she had such a, a great personality and when they go to the uh uh like the kind of the ruins to find the the second lost idol yeah. and she like she's like it's right here and then hands him the shovel and then it's just like in the back smoking a cigarette while he's doing all the work i'm like yeah. hell yeah <laughs> sis hell yeah sis you do that you deserve I also, that.
2: It, it was so stupid when they shot it but i love when uh she what does she see he has the she is he has the gun and she like throws the, it away yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah like he points it at her and she like yeah. throws it away <laughs> so stupid but it, like this, we also like a very... gotta
0: talk about the boy sir winston yes, as well we, we should gotta talk about, about that sir kid. Winston. king what shit i love him
2: yeah sir winston's so sweet another great line is when he's like i'm looking for a girl and sir winston's like oh okay i got you come with me and he's like no 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 a specific yeah. girl i'm sorry uh i love like i love the the, wise the, kid yeah the shoe polish oh, scene yeah. is great what? When he, like, polishes that other random guy's shoes and then, like, stands yep. over and makes him, them all black. more money. Yeah, that's such a good... And again, it's like, that is a, a scene with good politics. It is this, like, hoity-toity out-of-towner who's, like, getting his foot re- wo- clean. He won't even look at the person doing it. And so Belmundo's like, fuck you, you owe me ten times that amount, but then just gives it all directly to the kid right away. It's like, again, yeah, there's yeah, little good politics happening all throughout this movie.
1: It is, like, a disarm. Like, I mean it is such a disarming just because my like kind of spy movie 60s spy movie thing right now is like the james bond movies which is like a completely like you watch them and they're like just kind of kitschy when they're not being like actively skin crawlingly offensive. Yeah. <laughs> or the other side it's like a genre like hooray like adaptation where everybody's fucking miserable and cold all the time and being like Ugh, this is <laughs> the empire is falling and you know, right. and like shooting themselves on bridges this is like such a f- i was not prepared for this movie to be like so fun like it was just reminding me of like like uh uh like uh, mission impossible movies like uh, specifically like the daniel craig james bond when they yeah. were kind of like let's let's kind of get an a, a specifically casino royale uh like let's get a grip around who James Bond is in the current context, and you're not um, talking
2: about the Woody Allen Peter Sellers Casino Royale. You're talking about no, Daniel and I'm President not talking one? about okay. the Ameri-
1: the made for TV American one with Jimmy Bond. Either. Yeah, oh. okay, cool.
0: <laughs> you also uh, you said this on your last appearance on the show, Chris. You said that your favorite. Um, satires are the ones that have a love toward their like subject matter that they're lampooning. And you could easily say this about that man from, I'll also say,
2: yeah, that's a great point. That's a hundred percent true. And a key difference I noticed with those mission impossible, the James Bond movies, something that makes me like this even more than those movies is that is a team or a guy who's so well trained and is being given the briefings and he knows what the greater plan is. And he's going to call in his favors. This is literally a soldier on leave who has to get back to his platoon in seven days. Yes.
1: I love that frame around it.
2: And he, you're, it's this literally random guy on the street. And that's my, my, the, the thing that got me so into this movie when I was first watching it is the scene. I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler at all. It's very early in the movie when he goes back to see his girlfriend who's, you know, involved in this big plot. Cause her dad or her uncle is like vaguely involved. Uh, She, while he is there visiting her, is kidnapped by the people who are, you know, trying to get these statues or whatever. He sees that, like, literally he's talking to somebody, he's like, oh shit, she just got kidnapped. He jumps out of the window, steals a motorcycle, and then, like, a 45-minute chase happens. Like, the the remaining part of the first half of the movie is just, like, this very intense, like, oh, he's got to go get at that girl, and, like, he literally just ran out of the house, he doesn't know where he is, like... He doesn't have the bag he got with, you know, like he's totally. He hijacks a general. He like (laughs) he gets on an airplane to Rio. Like he like just that. Like, could you think of a more thrilling adventure for you right now? I mean, not today with coronavirus, (laughs) obviously, but like imagining three months ago when you could do like some circumstance calling for like, I need to right now without anything on me, hop on a plane to Brazil right now.
0: Dude, it made me, like, realize, like, how insane airports used to be. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, you, like, yeah, right? like, like, you just, like,
1: fucking walk through. And not even that. It like, hey, put a quarter in a machine and get a ticket, and you can go to the... <laughs> yeah, and get a ticket as a quarter. <laughs> fucking
0: crazy. And, like, everyone's just so laid back, and flights, like, don't stress anyone out. There were no fucking babies on the flight. Oh, yeah. Like, it was just like, damn, what would I wouldn't give to, like, just experience flying in that way and just be like berated by an older white man. Yeah, there's
1: like a full cart of food. So Chris and I, like, we are very hot on this movie. Noah, I'm curious, like, like why Yeah, the no, it's your corner now. You speak to your experience watching this this picture.
0: Well, like I said, the only, like, knowing of it that I had was when Chris was telling me about this in the H Mart uh, food court while he was explaining to me that he's not actually a monster and that he actually loves me very much. I wouldn't say, (laughs) I didn't say that
2: second part. I just said that first
0: part. No (laughs) worries. No one was there to verify it or not. Uh, But it was the second part. It was true. And, uh, I, I had only heard him talk about that and I was very much like, Oh, that is a movie that I will never watch. <laughs> like it was just like one of those where I was like always explaining it to me and I'm like, this is just is not like a kind of movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. It really just again it always comes down to that. It's mm. like it's a it's a taste thing more than like any actual thing about the movie itself. Like I'm not really even like a big French movie guy to begin with, and this movie is just draped in the Frenchness of whatever it is, which I know is like yes, a thing that I French always go English. to.
2: You so so this movie's too French. The kinks are too British.
0: I think we're <laughs> That's what I'm saying. we're
2: realizing there's a problem here, Noah.
0: Yeah, and it might be what's bring brought on this show, yeah. not the not, not the host of it. Uh but either way, it you know, and I'm not even like that big of a James Bond guy either, to be totally honest with you. Like it's not like a preferred franchise of mine. If I am gonna watch something of that genre, it's gonna be a mission impossible. Uh, or right. like, honestly, like the John wicks, which I, the John wicks, <laughs> which what I mean, know, wow. uh, That's we wild. have a special connection to, to that show. Uh, we can do those movies on that show. Cause Chris, you worked on John wick three. I was
2: a PA on John wick three.
0: Fuck. Yeah, buddy. What what was, was, that that like? was that when you were in New York?
2: It was when I was in New York and it was, it was the thing that put me into my year long depression. So it was Hell yeah, brother. not fun. <laughs>
0: No, Did but you, yeah, but you yeah, got but, to stand
2: in for Keanu. Uh, yeah, I was Keanu's stand in. All right, I should, I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it, but basically, like, Keanu Reeves, very cool guy. I think he's great, and I think all the hype around him is deserved, and he should have more. And he's a sweet soul that we should treasure. Yep. Similar to Gal love Costa him. in a way. Uh, I have nothing else to say about anyone else involved in that movie.
1: Smart. Cool. You yeah, don't we have love to. not getting in trouble
0: <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, But that's really what it does come (laughs) down to for me is just the, it's just a pure taste thing. And like I said, if I'm going to watch that kind of movie, I'm going to go to the John Wicks. I'm going to go to the Mission Impossibles. My favorite James Bond happens to be Daniel Craig like I those are my favorites. Insane, I actually nice. haven't seen Casino Royale to be honest. Like, I've only yeah. seen Quantum of Solace and uh, the one everyone like Skyfall which is a great movie outside of the fact that it's just a great James Bond movie. Possibly the best James Bond movie. That's a conversation for a different pod. But all that to say uh, again just kind of a stacked against me. I don't hate this movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I just wish it was uh, I'm not less like
1: it. foreign.
2: You wish it was yeah, more American, much. so you could like yeah, it I wish more. it was
0: more American, yeah, exactly that's <laughs> oh, right, oh boy <laughs> but uh's you know, listen, listen, two out of three ain't bad right that's what me love <laughs> so uh, no, I mean I will I like
2: can't... i i did you know I did mm-hmm. preference this with like. This is not for everyone. So, like, I on un- like that is that is I think yeah. really. like this is a movie that like if it's your sensibilities, they did a great job. If it's not, yeah, it's fine. There's other movies. I out think
1: there. that like you know, I don't want to say I can't I can't remember what the first like French movie I ever saw was. I want to say. When I was a kid, I was did this summer camp with uh, Facets, which is a uh, nonprofit cinema tech in Chicago. They put on the Chicago International Children's Film Festival. I did stuff with them. I think I talked about them on the Dustin Ticom episode. So if I saw a, a French movie ever, the first one would probably be somewhere there. Um, but before that, I think like everyone else's like idea of like what a French movie is is like. Uh, y- if you like went to film school, your first movie that you saw that was French was probably like breathless or, uh, yeah, Le Saint or something another like another
2: Belmundo, that, you know?
1: Yeah. Exactly. I'll also um, say, yeah,
2: I may be biased because I think French new wave is one of the best genres of film. So I really, no, like totally.
1: Stuff. I mean, I'm like, once I got out of film school and I was like, okay, I don't, I, I will need to like step back from Godard for a little while. And I started watching like Eric Romare movies or uh, oh, yeah. movies. Oh, I was like, this man, is more like romance. my shit right here. Um, I love Romero. Love Agnes Varda. Uh, those two should and can and will live forever. Um, but anyways, I, I think this is like if if you are trying to like expand either your horizons for like kind of international cinema, uh, or expand like. It's, family or friends or whatever horizons for international cinema. This is, I think a good movie to get them started with. It's also it's a very like fun and
2: pretty movie, which these movies typically aren't. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Like you think of like, like I would like, uh, it's, it's, I like watching movies with my family. We can usually agree on, we can all usually agree on something, but if it's my turn, it's like mom said, it's my turn to pick the movie. I wanted something on criterion channel <laughs> and it's don't like my sister will be like, don't do something battle. that's too art. Yeah, I'm like, don't do something that's too artsy. And it's not a difficult thing to find something there that people will like. I don't think it's a difficult movie to like find a French movie that people will like. But this is, like, I think, a movie I could show my family. Yeah. And if they didn't want to read like subtitles, they could just enjoy the scenery. And oh, I think yeah. like, so much of this movie works on just like a visual level. Yeah um it just just the general energies there's so many good like gags. yeah this is a movie like, i have
2: recommended yeah. to my like not the non-film people in my life you know like there's the movies you tell your film friends where you're like you you like this kind of crap and then there's like the movies where you're like oh man i love this so much and i bet you even you even just some random guy would also love this and like this is a Definitely. movie that fits that criteria for me
0: Yeah. I want to just make it very clear. I don't dislike French movies. I like French movies. I do. I do. I do. I do. I just wish they were American instead. I wish that they spoke English, like first and foremost, (laughs) but I do like French movies. Oh, I wish that everyone spoke English so that I wouldn't have to get pissed off all the time and mad that they're like can't get my hair cut right now. Oh (laughs) Oh, and wow. Actually I'm just realizing we, we didn't
2: even get to get into that, but how beautiful is the language of Portuguese and Gal Costa just sounds like it's just the the phonetics of the songs on those albums are just so good.
0: What I was going to say is that I like Francois Truffaut. I like him. I, I don't him. like Godard very much. Yeah, I That's it. love
2: Truffaut. I've been growing. I like like, Godard's too. been growing on me a lot lately. I'm starting to get him more. But I've always, like, Truffaut is, like, and maybe correctly, like, sometimes labeled as a hack because he seems to make movies by just going, like, what would be cool in this scene? Like, what would be, like, if it was now this, like, that'd be sick. And, like, it's maybe not, like – He's maybe, like, not telling a whole story in, like, the most compact, concise way. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, it's another Belmundo movie that Truffaut is in.
3: Oh,
0: really?
2: Or the other way around, Truffaut movie that Belmundo is in.
0: I don't think so. What is this? I don't it's, know. So... If it's not 400
1: Blows or Day for Night, it's kind of outside of my field of 400 reference.
2: Blows, I saw when I was a kid, and it, it still haunts me. Good was movie. Was it,
0: um, what is it? Because the thing with Truffaut is he only
1: made
2: eight movies. Yeah, he didn't make a ton. He, he made, he made like, enough. It's just, like, a lot were <laughs> labeled bad, you know? Like, a lot of people... Was right.
0: like, it Mississippi ah, here
2: we go. It was a Godard. It wasn't a Truffaut. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, okay. But
2: there's a Godard movie called Piero Le Fou. I've right. seen
1: Pierre Lefou. I saw Pierre Lefou, Lightflex on 35 millimeter at the Music Box Theater in Chicago because wow. they had like a little guitar retrospective, well, and so I went with my buddy. It to totally see that movie. undercut
2: the point I was about to make about Truffaut, but I'll just say French <laughs> music as a whole. I love that they they will be very indulgent, and again, it goes down to like, are these sensibilities your sensibilities? If so, you will love how indulgent they're being. Are they not? If so, you will be ready to stop watching this scene and move on to another one and it won't be happening, you the know? The two like, French
0: filmmakers that I find the most interesting are Francois Truffaut and then Alan René. I think Alan René is, like, just insane. Ooh, like, it's impossible to watch Hiroshima Mon and just not be like, what the fuck? Like, you grapple with that movie for the rest of your life. Like, it is just... Unbelievable! You'd have to think that like Kiristami watched that before he went in and did certified copy. Like there's just so much dense relationship and just global politics stuff there that is just amazing. But ladies and gentlemen, do we have anything else we want to say about that man from Rio? Uh,
2: John Paul Belmundo puts in one of the best performances he's always kind of flustered but also very emotive there i saw a great review that was like he's like bugs bunny at sometimes and james dean at others and i think that's perfect he's just the coolest i think that's
1: so key to his i think that's so key to his like specific persona and why i think he was such a big star like he seems like he was mostly like kind of a a, a star contained in france and then like, like a little wider art art house scene but that's such the i think that's also why like When I first saw Breathless, I didn't get it because I was 20 years old and I kind of only seen that movie. I hadn't seen anything that Godard was kind of, like, referencing around it or didn't really, like, understand it. But he has such a clear, um, that movie works because of him and Gene Seberg because their relationship is so, uh, I haven't seen Breathless in years, so maybe I'm talking out of turn. But when I think about his performance in that movie, there is, like, um... He plays guy trying to be cool so well, um, yeah, and so naturally, and yeah. that's like why I think he is such a um, an enduring kind of star and an enduring figure. I'll, he you know, only died a couple years ago. I, I think, know and he was working pretty consistently um,
2: until then.
0: Yeah, and I'll, as far as I can tell, he's still alive. Yeah, I was about
2: friend. to say I think he's actually still oh, alive. Oh, really? I don't know where I got that from.
0: Never mind. Eighty-seven. God
2: bless him. God bless him. Carl Let's Reiner's like about to turn a hundred. I got so many of these guys that I'm just like, I'm like, there's a few people I'm going to be so, so sad when they die that are all like, it's just, you're checking the obit pages every, you know, like you're kind of like yeah. waiting for it's, it. No, oh. f- surely, surely I get that. Yeah. Oh, I'm not ready for it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the other cool thing Chris. about John Paul Belmundo. What's up?
0: Yeah. No. What else is cool about Jean Paul Belmundo?
2: Jean-Paul. So the, I, the reason when I was getting into him, I was watching some interviews. He said the way he shot breathless, was he would show up every morning. He would eat breakfast with the co-star, and then uh, Godard would walk up, and they'd go like, "All right, here's the scenes I think we should shoot today." And it was completely improvised, pretty much. Now I'm uh, I like improv, and I I know that's shameful, and I know you're not supposed to talk about that, but like <laughs> I think it's good, and I think I, I'm I'm not a very theatery person, so for me, improv has the potential to be something beyond just like for two extroverted people going like, hey, everybody, how are you? Please laugh at this. Like, I think there's a subtlety to improv. I think it can be very good. Valmundo is a great example of that. He's an improvising actor. That's how he acts in all of his roles. He's talked about that. He's like, if I'm told to do something, I'm rigid. I'm I'm unemotive. I'm thinking too much. He's like, I need to just sort of be free and be loose. And you can see that very much on display in all of his. And Elliot Gould is another person who is this type of actor. And you can see it in their performances. And so something I love about Belmundo is he is he's you know, you know, improv may be lame, you freaking jerk asses, but Paul, John Paul Belmundo does improv, so now what's lame? Huh?
0: John Paul Belmundo <laughs> is not yeah, lame. Yeah, take that Matt improv. Besser.
2: Yeah. Eat shit yeah, That's yeah. what I mean. It's like it's not just Matt it's not just the Matt Bessers of the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also it's also the Paul Shears of the world. Oh god. In this house in this house uh, we respect T J and Dave. Yes. Thank you. Chris, do you recommend this movie?
2: Again, yeah, I conditional recommend. I, if this, this isn't your cup of tea, I'm not offended. Don't worry about it. But if you don't like that Coast album, something's fundamentally wrong with you that you should work on.
0: Agreed. Mason, what do you think? Um... <sighs> Man, I, I I do full
1: recommend this. This is just such a, yeah. a, a pleasure and a treat from beginning to end. Like I don't wanna hold back on this. I had such a blast watching it. I was so happy I did. I think more people should get eyes on it. Especially well, that's if you the like thing, a Mission like, Impossible. It's clearly or,
2: and and Noah, you can recognize it's like even if it wasn't your cup of tea, it's an underrated movie, clearly, right? Yes, like it's yeah, totally a yeah. lost by time movie that is so much better than the rec- than what it gets credit for.
1: This was not on my radar at all. Like I didn't even think that this kind of I didn't even think that this movie, there was a movie out there called Batman from Rio. I, I would know. if someone told me that it was out here, I would watch it. Right. Great uh, for title. for this podcast, too. but right. I wasn't looking for it. And I think that it's like especially if you like like a charade, like the movie yeah, Charade or something was also really coming to my mind to when I was watching to. this. Um there's the, a very fun like kind of spy uh a, a spy like kind of the pauline kale like and that not pauline kale account that i mentioned in last week's episode um she had a brief blurb in 5001 nights at the movie where she called this a spy parody fantasy and if that sounds like your cup of tea that's right where this movie is and it has like
2: want that parody fantasy the other movies in this uh trilogy are perfect
1: then I'm gonna I need I gotta find those because I I'm just dying for more of this. Yeah. But it's it's a fun movie. I, I I say full recommend just because it's like it it gets you it brings you to somewhere else. It's entertaining kind of from top to bottom. It's got a great central performances. I laughed out loud a ton of times watching this movie, and that's just like I gotta people fucking watch it. That's it also like gives what, you that sort of
2: innocence to make you laugh. Like I was explaining that joke of like throwing the gun, which is like it's not that high class of comedy, but like the way, you know they're they're doing it in such a charming way that, like, you can't help but sort of, like, be sort of giddy about it. But, yeah. Yeah. If you like this one, man, the the next two are Up to His Ears, and then the third one is either called Le Magnifique or The Man from Acapulco. I, it's Ooh. got, it's one of those things where it has, like, the two titles. The Up to His Ears, Belmundo plays a suicidal millionaire. Like, he's this very, very rich man who has this crazy Crispin Glover haircut with, like, one big black strand going over his face. And... <laughs> Uh, the first twenty like minutes of the movie is just him trying to kill himself in various ways.
1: That sounds like it's on oh, that yeah. a new leaf tip, and I'm way about it. Yes,
2: yes, it's like it's like twenty minutes of him trying to kill himself, and then like he meets a girl who's really pretty, and then he's like, maybe I shouldn't die. Which is like again, in terms of moral messages, it's a great one.
0: I, I was just gonna say, well, that's like Harold and Maude, yeah. like except like Harold and Maude's beautiful and an amazing film, and you just gotta love Harold and Maude. Yeah. I say this other one. A lot of Ashby talk this film, episode. But... Hey, I do love Ash. He's the man. He's Um, one of the great underrated directors. Maybe we do a whole series on Hal Ashby films. Maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? Who's to say? My favorite- Shampoo! uh,
2: My favorite uh, musician is Cat Stevens, so I do love Harold and Maude a lot.
0: Yeah, it's one of the best movies of all time. It's top ten for me, absolutely. Uh, I don't recommend this film. Chris, thank you so much for coming back to the pod. This was uh, a whirlwind. You're very smart. It's just very clear that you're a smart guy. <laughs> well, uh, if ever I think if you know. like
2: somebody knew what I was talking about, they would re- recognize that a lot of what I said was clearly bullshitted and probably not true. But thank you for thinking I got away with it. Yeah, don't cite this podcast. Don't cite this yeah. podcast in
1: your research Dude, papers, folks.
2: Christopher, Christopher Dunn, Brutality yeah. Garden. That's the tropicalia stuff. And then just like I don't know, Wikipedia. See what they source for for that man from Rio.
0: Please yeah. use this podcast as a source. Chris, where can the folks find you if they want to find I'm you? I'm on
2: Twitter at Chris Chalakian. Uh, also, follow Everything Now Show on Twitter and on Twitch if you're into that. And uh, we're also on Instagram, Everything Now Show. We do that. I'm going to be starring in a movie that will show up somehow, somewhere, someday. I don't know. With the virus, it's like, why are things even happening anymore? Do we even do things anymore? Who really knows? True. But, should that ever happen, one day there will be a movie with me in it. So keep me on the lookout for that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, any other things I am working on? No, absolutely not. Thank you guys for having me. It's always fun talking to you guys about things I'm really into.
0: Well, we love having you. Mason, where can we love the folks having find you? Buddy. you? You can find me
1: on Instagram at Hot Dog Debicky. Hot Dog The Food debicky, Elizabeth Debicky. I'm also on Instagram at Good Sky Tonight. I also have another podcast, The Barn, a podcast about The Shield, where I talk about the TV show The Shield every week. Which, if you're looking for some good quarantine viewing, that's the way to do it. I- I think that's a pretty good bingeable show. You can listen along with me and my buddy Connor as we talk about it. I have a fun time doing it every week. Like, I have a fun time doing this show every week. So, find me there. I'm also on Letterboxd. And, uh... Oh, uh, I'll follow you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'll get on that.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess if, like, if you really care that much, I'm on Goodreads, but I only update when I finish a book. So
0: your discretion who gives a shit Uh, (laughs) Noah where can people find you and or the show you know that you can find the show on Instagram at it's on underscore the list you can find the show on Twitter at it's on the list pod you can like us on Facebook it's on the list with Noah and Mason you can find me on Twitter at Moa Narger my name is current my handle is currently thanks to Chris Chalakian which is what is it again <laughs> Chris it's uh, I oh, figured uh, out figured what out. QAnon uh, te- is
2: texting my girlfriend that I figured out who QAnon <laughs> that is. that is, that is current- Noah's current handle
0: yeah all thanks to Chris he's like I think and I also, have a suggestion I believe
2: QAnon is Dan Skirvino Scurvino. I believe that's who QAnon is he works within Trump campaign and I think he's doing it as a sort of disinformation tactic and like a wait <laughs> way to get people to think that they're not just fucking over everybody.
0: I, too, listen to High and Mighty with Anthony and Tam Chris. Uh, uh, by, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Marger. You can find YLG at YLG.World. You can find me on Twitter at Moa MoaNarger and Letterbox at MoaNarger. And I've got to break something on this show. Not physically, but breaking I'm going juice. to break the fact. Breaking shoes as they say on Doughboys, which is a great podcast. Uh <laughs> Um, I have another podcast in the works, believe it or not. Uh, I have hey. a solo podcast that I am working on, uh, outside of the everything now, or excuse me, not the everything now outside of the, it's on the list universe. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I'm not hundred percent sure when the first episode will come out, but it is going to be a solo thing. I'll have a guest every week and, uh, it's kind of in a way it's kind of the opposite of this show. That's all I'll say and social oh. media hmm. will be coming soon for that but yeah it's about would-
2: what's the most overrated movie that you hate
0: no not exactly not exactly that's the opposite that is kind of that is one way to take the phrase that i just said but i'm being vague on purpose because i don't know when i'm gonna get those social medias up folks because i'm doing it all myself uh. but uh that's what we got you can look out for that and uh yeah i think that's i think that's cool. it i think that's all we can well, say thanks
1: for listening everyone Happy quarantine. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay uh, smart. Stay cute. Stay pretty. I'll kiss you all someday, I hope. But uh, we'll see you next week or whenever you hear this again. Dan (laughs) Scrivino is behind QAnon.
0: Bye.
2: Actually, I'm going to have you talk for one more minute because I... Left my computer charger in the other room, so why don't you go ahead and talk for one
1: more minute? Oh, Jesus! This episode is great. This is great, Mason. Uh, I don't know, I what, to do. this, I don't know yeah. what to do. I don't know what to do. This was a me good start. Here. I
2: like the energy here. So Noah stalled. No, for we're one just minute. gonna we're gonna
1: just keep talking. Like nothing is going wrong. Uh it's Andrew really Garfield moving. is gonna go get his. <laughs> he's not on screen right now this is all going to happen uh, in the t- in the bumper of the episode this is i have it all worked out don't worry about it yeah. this entire section roughly uh, let me check the time on this uh, not even 10 minutes into the episode.
0: Uh, 11 minutes into the episode. Yeah, we're already starting off uh, really fucking strong, dude. I don't even know. It's. Fi- I can't wait. It's great. This is my favorite episode we've done so far. This is. <laughs> Doubt that. I, I, oh, okay. Well, you know what? Actually, I take that back. Now that the episode's fully over, Chris was so polite and so friendly to me the entire episode. It was such a nice treat. Yeah, he was so nice. Okay, so Chris, this is your choice for
1: well this is guest choice this is chef's choice this chef's week. choice. why did you choose to take us on a little
0: uh, little international jaunt a little trip to uh Brazil we lost you Chris can't hear ya I can't hear ya excellent perfect Chris can That's you this episode do- done Chris, so far Chris can you say I something
3: real quick, quick?
2: alright can you hear me now
0: yeah we yeah, can, we can. yes I got it Boom. Still, all right. Are you still, recording? still recording? I like, believe. Let, let's me, double let
2: check. me double check. Yes, I have not stopped recording. Everything's good over there.
1: Cool. cool. <laughs> Great. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to start again. So Chris.